This morning, we are in the book of Amos, chapter 5. In my Bible, this chapter is titled, A Lament for Israel's Sin. It's an appropriate heading, as we shall see, for Moses is prophesying in his time and in ours. Today, we continue to talk about racism, a topic so large and unwieldy and sorrowful. We will study the scripture from one of my favorite minor prophets as we seek the Lord. For truth, our hearts and minds need to hear today. So Amos 5, 6 through 24. Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire, and it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Ah, you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surfaces of the earth. The Lord is his name. Who makes destruction flash out against the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who reproves in the gate and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, the prudent will keep silent in such a time for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live, and so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, in all the squares there shall be wailing, and in all the streets they shall say, Alas, alas! They shall call the farmers to mourning, and those skilled in lamentation to wailing. In all the vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear or went into the house and rested a hand, upon, a hand upon the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let us pray. Jesus, we ask for you to speak to us. We, your people, Lord, are listening. Amen. One of the most important aspects of reading the prophets, which one understands right away, 
is a profound sense of God's holiness. This is evident in the scripture today. We see that Yahweh is the one over all. He has created the constellations and the heavens. He turns the day into night. God talks to the waters of the sea, pouring them out where he wants them gathered. Amos calls him the Lord of hosts, which means the God of the armies of heaven or Lord Almighty. He has the power to bring destruction or grace to humanity, to make himself known or pass by without being noticed. He has a timetable for how long creation will wait for him to return. God has opinions for how humans should live, wanting us to heed the commands he has given us. God's holiness is paramount, and Amos often begins sentences with the words, Thus says Yahweh. In all we talk about today, let's keep God's perfect character at the forefront of our thinking because he is at the center of all truth and life. Amos was a herdsman from Tekoa, which was in the southern kingdom. Israel at this time is divided into two, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom and the two of the south. Amos was called to be a prophet, one who spoke plain, often difficult, often confronting truths to both parts of divided Israel, as well as to whomever else would be listening in. He ministered between the death of Solomon and the fall of the northern kingdom, which happened in 722 BCE. The culture in Amos's time was pretty common. There was much affluence with the rich trying to gain more and more. The poor were very poor and were exploited by the wealthy who took advantage of them with a callous disregard for who they were. Not many followed the rule of law and leadership was lax. People did what they wanted with little regard for morality the faith community actively participated in religious traditions, but they were not very connected to God himself. 200 years before, King Jeroboam had set up cultic worship, which continued into this time. Amos sees that the faith community, as well as the larger society around them, will soon be facing imminent disaster, reflecting God's judgment. Let's look at a few of the exhortations Amos gives to the community of faith in these verses. First, he tells them to seek the Lord and live. In this chapter, it's repeated three times. When God is not sought out, there are consequences. Here, described as unquenchable fire, destruction, and wailing. Now we know Jesus said for us to seek first God's kingdom in everything, in all the things that we see. You see things that are upsetting? Seek the Lord. 
You experience situations which are heartbreaking? Seek the Lord. You can't understand why everyone is all up in arms about racism? Seek the Lord. You are concerned about the virus spiking again? Seek the Lord. You are fearful about the state of our nation? Seek the Lord. Not the news. Not social media. Not people just like you. Not your own understanding. Not scholars. Amos says, turn to Yahweh. Not so will he will affirm what you already know and believe, but so that you will be challenged by his perspective. Seek the Lord because his knowledge is perfect. It's unfathomable to us. If there's any source of wisdom or truth that you are putting above the Lord, like Amos's community was doing, set it aside and seek God first. Know who he is and ask for his counsel. Church, the first thing we need to be doing in all of these days is to seek the Lord. Second, Amos teaches that justice and righteousness are always linked. One of the reasons why God was so displeased with Israel is because they didn't care about the poor and the marginalized. They made no attempt to help those who were systematically oppressed, to see them as equal. In these verses, we see that righteousness and justice is linked four times. First, in verse 7, instead of justice being refreshing as God decreed, it had become bitter and cruel. Righteousness was tossed aside. In 10 through 13, Amos says that people hate the truth. Instead, they choose to trample on the poor. In 15, it says, love what is good, hate what is evil, establish justice. And in 24, the famous line, may justice be a waterfall going down into the streams of righteousness. One of Israel's great sins was being ardent in worship without a corresponding concern for doing what God expected them in the world. In the Bible, justice means to make things right. It's a return of relationship with God, with one another, with creation. Justice is bringing wholeness to what is broken by upholding God's goodness as well as his impartiality. It's to bring equity to places where it has not been offered. However, justice and holiness are connected, which Amos wants us to always remember. Individual transformation and societal change go hand in hand. To choose one over the other is a separation God did not intend. Yet the church does this often, which is not who we are called to be. God is holy and God is just. His people must live out the mandate of both of those aspects of his character. We worship God in the traditions of a weekly service, singing and offering and praying and studying the word. We cultivate personal piety daily and we worship God in how we bring his reconciliation and hope to a hurting world.
Amos's audience was doing the former with zeal, although their hearts were not changed or really drawn to God in any way. Because of this, they were not doing the second at all. Dr. John Perkins, who is a pastor, community developer, author, and civil rights activist, says it beautifully this way. God has always wanted the vulnerable in society to be cared for. He never intended for them to languish in poverty, abuse, slavery, homelessness, or other types of devastation. When we care for individuals who are trapped in these ways, when we show them love and help them move toward freedom and wholeness, we participate in bringing a little part of God's kingdom back into alignment with his greater plan. We do justice and God smiles. Amen. Third, Amos says that the day of the Lord will not be as the people expect. Amos is the first one to use the phrase day of the Lord and talk about this event when God would appear. Even then, it was a longed for moment, an event they believed that the Lord would sweep in and rescue his people from their woes and smite their enemies. This is something we long for also to Jesus for Jesus to come again. We live in the already our savior has come, but the not quite yet when he will come again in the clouds and deliver us from our life on earth. Just this week I was praying for everything going on and found myself saying, "Jesus, I wouldn't mind if you came back soon, even this week, with all due respect, it would be great. Amos tells them that when God shows up, it will not just be a party. He reminds them how the day of the Lord is not just salvation, but it's a reckoning. Did we do his will in the time that we had here? Did we show mercy in the way he shows mercy? Amos's picture of the Lord coming is not a happy one. So he wonders why Israel would want that. It is darkness, not light. It is fleeing one catastrophe only to be felled by another. And then we see why. If God's people only give lip service to worshiping him and not doing his will on earth as it is in heaven, there will be little joy in his return. He doesn't want their yearly celebrations, their offerings, nor will he listen to their music. Until they are people of justice, of living out what it means for all people to be raised up in society until they engage their hearts fully in true worship, he is done with them. The line, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream is what God is saying he will do himself. Because Israel has chosen poorly God will inundate his justice and righteousness as a flood all around them. This brings us to our topic at hand. As God's people today, we have to be mindful 
of what he requires of us, we have come to an opportunity that we want to seek his face about, about how the evil of racism has brought and continues to bring great pain for all of us, especially those who suffer firsthand its horrific effects. Last week, we talked about how bias and prejudice seeps into our hearts and minds from the messages that we heard early and often. And we have to own those biases and not deny them, but rather acknowledge them so we might allow God to change how we see ourselves and others, all made equally in the image of God, loved, loved equally for who we are. Not one racial group is superior to another, regardless of the hierarchies we set up and the differences we elevate. However, while we know we begin with ourselves, it is evident we have a bigger problem than individual prejudice. The more prevalent and insidious type of racism is structural. This type of racism exists where patterns of racial superiority are embedded in the systems and the institutions of society. It is less obvious, more complex, yet we see the effects all around us. In our country, we have inequitable school systems, mass incarcerations of people of color, unfair practices that affect housing, a significant wage gap, and uneven access to quality health care, which has been made very evident during this time of pandemic. These things don't just happen for large numbers of minorities simply because people don't work hard or because they're not educated. There is a larger problem that is causing the disparities that we see in our society, a systemic issue that has plagued us since the beginning of our nation's founding. It is not the cause of just one entity or one law or one group of people. It was there long before any of us were alive. I'm not an expert on racism. Actually, in a lot of ways, I feel pretty inept talking about it. There are books that I've read by people, things that I've listened to, who, people who have expertise and have engaged in this struggle for a long time. I have much listening with my brothers and sisters of color to do who have faced systemic racism their whole lives, who have much to teach us. I know this isn't a comfortable topic for many of us as it can bring up negative feelings and polarize us. However, as God's people, it's imperative that we do our homework on this. It's imperative that we seek the Lord and are prayerful and humble before him. When a whole group is barred from access to what should be available for everyone, it's wrong and it grieves the heart of God. There are excellent resources found in lots of different parts of the body of Christ. There's a great field of work 
in academia. Please avail yourself of books and podcasts and articles and testimonies and statistics. Next week, we're going to talk about racism and the church. But I wanted to read to you part of a statement from our book of discipline, which people in our own congregation helped to craft and was adopted last year at our general conference. Because systemic racism, the way in which human institutions or structures can both actively and passively preserve patterns of discrimination and exclusion is less perceptible, but no less harmful than overt individual racist acts, we commit, we commit as a church, not just to avoid or sanction individual prejudicial attitudes and actions, but seek to redeem processes, systems, and institutions that continue to perpetuate injustice in the, on the basis of race or ethnicity. As God's people, we must actively work to see the bigger picture of how large segments of society continue to perpetuate injustices because of a person's skin color or ethnic background. We were born into a system where we have been taught to identify and define groups of people because of their race, where there is a hierarchy of inequality embedded in our social structures. I know all of us come to this conversation from different places, and my role as a shepherd is to encourage you where you are to keep learning about how racism has shaped our world and nation. As humans, we have a deeply disturbing tendency, a sinful tendency to oppress others. And these unjust systems are still operating and we are seeing the real consequences of them. I have recently become acquainted with the work of Ibram Kendi, an American scholar on race and historian, who says in this life, we are either racist or anti-racist. We either believe people are equal or we don't. We are either supporting actions that bring people to a fair, fair level playing field or we're bringing them down. Let's remember the words of Jesus in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry, which tells us his heart, his goal. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. My friends, these are not just nice words that our Lord spoke a long time ago. They are meant to be what his people are about today as well. Addressing racism is such an important work that we do because racism impacts all of us, not just our neighbors from different racial groups. 
As followers of Jesus, we have to ask if we are willing to better understand something which might truly break his heart, which does truly break his heart. He wants us to do something as a church. This brings us back to Amos. God was angry with the people because they were indifferent to the cries of those who were suffering around them. We don't want to be people whose hearts are engaged with God on a surface level or even sincerely, yet don't acknowledge how people are being treated unjustly around us. There's a lot of anger right now, a lot of sorrow being expressed because of how the evil of racism has infected our country. We are not meant to dismiss those voices or ignore their cries. God is always telling us to see the world with his eyes in its vastness, its astounding beauty, and its utter brokenness. We must ask the Lord how he is calling us to advocate, to change, to redeem the unjust systems around us. I encourage all of us to start where we are and to take the next step of listening and learning. Phil Vischer, whom you might know best as the creator of VeggieTales and as Bob the Tomato, just put out an excellent 17-minute video of understanding systemic racism for African Americans in our nation. I encourage you to watch it because it helps us understand the underpinning of the divisions in our country around this issue so that we might better grasp what's happening today. He ends his video in a stunning manner. He says this, I'm not here to tell you what the right solutions are because I don't know. I'm just here to ask you one thing. It's the thing that begins every journey to the solution for every problem. I'm asking you to care. I think that's what Amos would say to us today as well. People of God, we must care about what is going on so God's truth and justice might truly change us and the world around us so that we can be a light to the nations. Let us seek the Lord Almighty for how we should engage this conversation and this problem about race. Looking forward to a day when every tribe and nation will bow at his coming. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.